Hi, I'm Daniel Lucas, and thanks for joining Chasing Energy. Today, our guest is Art Trapositz. Now, Art is the author of the book, The Everyday Athlete, and he is in a cycling club called Keep It Tight. What we cover in this interview is the principle of the book. And by the way, I've read it. It's an easy read. It's, it's on Amazon. Uh, is how do you balance your competitive weekend warrior-ness with, you know, having a family and then also work? And Art can practice what he preaches. He has children. Uh, he also is the CEO of a medical company. And we swap some stories about how, how you kind of get it done, if you will, and how, you know, that the reason behind being a competitive athlete on the weekends and, you know, maybe you're signing up for anything from a 5K to an Ironman is that you want to be, you're probably never going to get sponsored. Uh, if you are, congratulations. But uh, it's more so about how does it make you a better person? How does it make you a better father? How does it make you a better employee and productive? And how do you enjoy life because of the training? So that's a big, this is a big passion one for me. I absolutely enjoyed this interview. In fact, Art reached out to me. And when I started looking at his book, I was like, man, uh, I love this, this concept for the book. Again, it's, it's, not a, it's not a super long book. It's an easy read. And it's really about how do you make it work with your wife when you both have a race on the same day or when you have a season that you really want to be competitive and then there's also needs to be a season for work and then a season for the kids. So we cover a lot of that in the, this interview and I hope you enjoy it. Please reach out to Art. I put links to his webpage and book in the show notes, it's arttrapotsis.com. And that's where you can reach him and take the quiz that we talk about in the interview. Enjoy. Love to have a review, guys. Throw something up there. Just a couple of quick words would be wonderful. Thanks so much. Art Trapotsis, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to have you. Thanks for joining Chasing Energy. You are the author of the book, The Everyday Athlete. And I I think the the world has needed a book like this for a while. And in fact, I get this question a lot too, which is uh why don't you have guests who are more like the layman where they, they can speak layman's terms and not all this crazy stuff? So uh you really do a great job in your book of spelling out what it means to have your career, your fitness, and your family, and how you sort of keep all those things in check and how they support each other through the journey that is life. So let's start by saying, give us a, a summary of your book and, and who should read it. Well, I tried to make the audience, um, you know, pretty much anybody who's interested in getting into athletics or is already into some sort of competitive sport, um, but it's also has a family and is trying to, uh, you know, develop or has developed a career and has goals that they want to achieve. Um, the original concept for the book uh, was started about 10 years ago. Um, I was a competitive cyclist and um, there's an expression we were using called uh, keep it tight. And that's an expression we were using, you know, as we ride in the pace line, you know, staying one behind another um, to get the draft. But we started to uh, use that expression to describe, you know, my, my friends who have 
found a way to um, get their careers going, uh, you know, get married, have some kids, and then also remain competitive. And we're like, wow, those guys are keeping it tight. And um, that's how the whole idea for the book started. I wanted to interview those folks and see how they were doing it. Uh, I think that's a great concept. Uh, and so Delvin, you, in your book, you talk a little bit about um, you calling yourself an athlete and when it's appropriate to do so, and that some people are intimidated to do that. Tell us a little bit about what that means to you. Yeah, so it actually um, came to be because I had posted a ride on Strava. And for those that don't know, Strava is a, um, it's an app. It's a platform where you can upload your runs and your rides, or your swims, and it's sort of a social platform so you can see what others are doing. And I posted one morning and said, um, I had a great ride with some local athletes. And a couple of days later, one of the guys on that ride said, Art, I saw your post. Uh, you know, you rode with me the other day. Um, are you calling me an athlete? <laughs> and I said, of course I am. You know, you're out here every morning, uh, you know, getting in your, your hill intervals and, and your exercise every day. You know, how can you not call yourself an athlete? Very, yeah, very well said. And, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis has said, stated, and I think of social media when, when I read this, but it says, comparison is the thief of joy. And uh, Strava can definitely fall in that category of, once you, once you get on a Strava, you're constantly looking at other people's times and going oh my gosh man now it 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 does sort of ignite competitive things in you but it'll also alert you you're no longer the record holder on this track or this segment or they need to they need to factor age a little bit into those things too the masters group uh i agree as well so i like what you're saying there do you what i wanted to my follow-up question to the athlete part was do you have, uh, beyond the word athlete, do you have any type of uh, word for like different levels of athletes or do you, you just sort of throw it into that group? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's competitive athletes, super competitive athletes, um, you know, super gifted athletes. But just, just using the base term athlete for someone who has never done anything competitive or athletic. And for them to get them in their mindset that, that they think of themselves as athletic or an athlete, there's a shift that happens. They might have mm-hmm. one less drink in the evening before that group ride the next day. Yeah, They might yeah. eat a little bit better. Um, they might start to think about training as you know, more than just like haphazardly going off for a ride or a run every day and maybe start applying some structure to it. So it right. really so like- going from passive thinking to active thinking and then uh, projecting themselves with the verbiage as a sort of like a mantra. I am an athlete. I needed to, I need to get to this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I first made, uh, and you can probably speak to this as well, Art, when, when you get on a racing team and you wear it, a, a jersey for that team it it does make you push a little harder in the in the events because first of all people are targeting you when you're part of a race team because uh, they want to beat somebody on the race team. <laughs> absolutely and, and second of all it it you're you know you're representing so you're like I, I can't 
I can't half-ass this thing. Yeah. Uh, for example, l let's say you're cycling and you're about five miles and it's not your day. Uh, there have been times where I'm tempted to just go, just, just coast this one in. <laughs> I know it. But, but when I'm wearing the jersey, it's like, you're, you don't want to coast in. I don't want anybody to blow by me at, just so they could smack the back of the jersey or whatever. Um, yeah, let me just add, um, you know, I don't really do much racing anymore, but I do love to have one event on the calendar where mm -hmm. I can put a number on. And it could be a charity event, a Grand Fondo, a gravel ride, a 5K run. But just having that on like once a year, it keeps like the athlete vibe going. Uh, very much so. And uh, that's that's what I was uh, alluding to is, you know, just like with having that jersey on, uh, when you have an event on the calendar, you talked about having one less drink or doing this or getting up that. Uh, I'll give you a classic example. When you don't have an event on the calendar, and let's say that the weather ain't great. It is so much easier to skip that training ride or run when it's cold and rainy outside. But when you have that race on your calendar and you have your goal time, it is like, well, I guess I'm getting wet. Absolutely. Because there's, I'm not missing. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So it's funny how the mind works. It, it binds to things that are very tacit and, and it can grapple with that versus, uh, I asked someone a goal the other day financially, and they said, I want to be rich. And I was like, that means nothing. I was like, that's about as vague as can possibly. There's no timeline, and there's there's nothing to it. Yep. So speaking of timeline, let's talk about some tips and tricks from your book as to how you make time to train for the person who has the family and the career. Yeah. Um, first of all, we have a family calendar. I've got the work calendar. And we kind of lay out you know, each week. And uh, usually you'll find pockets of time where you can get in your one hour workout. And oftentimes it can be very early in the morning. For example, this morning I was up at 530, had to bring my kid to camp by seven. Um, it could be lunchtime, could be after dinner or something. Uh, first up is the calendar piece. And with that comes the communication piece. And just sort of having the conversation, oh, you have basketball and soccer this weekend. Okay, great. While you're, you know, when you're done with that, you know, dad's going to go out and uh, do a couple hours on the bike. Um, that's one piece of it. So there's, there's calendar, there's communication. Um, the third piece of it is having the motivation and having something to train towards. I feel like is very, very motivating for when you need to squeeze in. Uh, a workout. And the fourth thing I mentioned, uh, I'm sort of laughing here because uh, uh, I called it the crabbiness index. And when you have this, when you have this internal feeling of when you start to get crabby, bitchy, irritated um, after not exercising for a few days, if you have an awareness of how many days that is, maybe it's only a day, maybe it's five days. If you know what that is, and for me, it's about yeah. 48 hours, you always try to get exercise before you get to that level. So mm -hmm. um, I have a little uh, sort of, you know, scale on the book about what's your crappiness index and uh, anybody can check that out. Yeah. So I was going to tell you, um, as someone who's read uh, way too many self-development books, um, you, you had a system going there 
because you started with two C's and you ended with a fourth C. So you need to call it like the four C. You get it down to four C's and it'll catch on a whole I like lot that. better. Thank you for the advice. <laughs> yeah. Crabbiness was the fourth one. Um, but you could throw in commitment yeah. or something for that third one. Uh, but you said calendar, communication, and then doing the workout and then crabbiness. So you, you've got your homework there <laughs> and uh, it'll, it'll, it'll click through on social media a little easier. <laughs> um, by the way, crabbiness index, uh, my kids know full well if I have not exercised on Saturday morning. It drives them gonzo. <laughs> and because I'm like, if I happen to skip it, they'll be like, I'll, I'll get them up and be like, all right, guys, how long till we go to the park? And then we're going to go to it. And they're just like, oh, my gosh, Dad, <laughs> give me a break, man. Go do something. So I don't think mine's 48 hours, especially on a Saturday. To me, a Saturday is like if I didn't get something done early that morning. Yeah. The rest, the rest day, I'm kind of antsy. What I will flip that around, Art, and say is, uh, if I get a, a a really hard workout in, so think of intervals yes. day. My children have all. I mean, they don't know what an interval yeah. is, but uh, my children uh, have always noticed I behave differently after intervals day. So they, and the reason is, um, I'm so lax and and done. So I'll get home. Uh, make them breakfast, and then just like they'll go, "What do you want to do today, Dad?" And I'll be like, um, "Honestly, guys, if we don't do much today, I'm okay." You know, and that's where they're like, "This is fantastic." They're like, "What if we had pizza tonight?" Which I normally will say no to, and I'm like, "You know what? Pizza sounds good. I'm, I don't have the willpower to push back on anything." So they really appreciate yeah. it. It's a the crabbiness index works in their favor, and you're more at peace. Sounds like. Very much more at peace. Yeah, it's almost euphoric, yeah. really. Um, so here, here's a question. What are some signs, and this is in your book, so uh, what are some signs that you are overdoing it? So overdoing it for me could be overdoing it uh, in the sphere of work or mm -hmm. training. Uh, I think it's a bit hard to, to do it to overdo it in the, in the sphere of uh, family. But let's just take work first. Um, I sort of posit that if you're working more than 50, 55 hours a week, that maybe, you know, that is, uh, that's overdoing it. Now, you're talking to someone who's an entrepreneur mm -hmm. who, you know, grew a business and started as mm -hmm. like, so I've worked many more hours than that. Um, but I sort of did it respectfully. And when there was time, um, from the athletic uh, training perspective, I think you're overdoing it. Uh, again, I'll put it more in terms of hours. I think, you know, beyond 10 hours, you know, consecutive weeks is, uh, that's a challenge on the family and, and also on work. And, you know, I talk about, I think I talk about Ironman triathletes and, and you know, they need the, you know, 18 to 25 hours a week sometimes as you build up. The event. Yeah, yeah, they do. And that is super challenging on the family and also work. And that's where the communication piece comes in to kind of set up the calendar of, Hey, you know, does this make sense for our, for our lives that I try to squeeze in this Ironman training? Yeah. Uh, longest training ride I had for Ironman was in my basement and it started at four 30 in the morning and it was, uh, three and a half hours of Netflix. Oh my God. And 
man, what a boring way to spend a morning. But I was like, I got to get this three hour. I had not spent a lot of time on the bike yeah. and I had to, to get that in about three weeks prior to the race. Uh, that early AM to me is, uh, that is the first thing I'll tell people to carve out. And it's funny, Art, because it's really a domino effect, man. Uh, you tell somebody, uh, you know, you're going to have to, if you're going to do this event and you're going to need to train about 15 hours, at least 15 hours a week, um, especially for an Ironman, uh, you'll, you, the first place to carve time in most people's schedule is going to be that about between 4.30 and 5 a.m. up to about 7.30. And because that's where a lot of stuff goes unnoticed. And it's a domino effect in the sense that it's like, well, goodness gracious, you know, and I don't know how many. It, it, the domino effect is you're going to have to start turning off the electronics by 8 oh, instead of 9.30. Uh, you're going to have to cut back on the alcohol for this and uh, or or the excessive food or whatever to the point where you're winding completely wound down by 8:45 which I know would shock most people but when you're getting up at 4:30 to put in an hour to two and a half hours a day which is I mean that's what's on par for an ironman I don't I don't know I don't know if you're if you're just looking at surviving it you know there's probably 10 hour training plans yeah. but to get in the water 3 days a week to get on the bike 4 days a week and to run and then there's some strength training components there too it you you the term iron widow is for the, the wives of some of these people but uh, iron man is a sport that because of the low impact it's very easy to to give it a lot and i think if you have kids and 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 work i would say that if you're doing an iron man you're probably not balanced you're probably out of balance for those few months that you're training for it and it well yeah and i agree with that art i think um Almost to get growth in any area, we almost have to be out of balance. Yeah. And but but the idea there is to do it in such a way that it's uh, calculated, sustainable, and accepted. Yeah. yeah. So for example, uh, let's say your company is about to put out a new product, or it's about to acquire somebody. You're like, hey, the next three months are just they're going to be out of balance. Instead of riding an hour a day, I'm going to have to ride. 30 minutes a day or an hour every other day is going to probably be the case. I'm going to need a lot of help. Um, the We're going to have a big vacation, a family vacation for a week when this is done, and I'm going to watch the kids or whatever. But the idea there is sometimes to get growth in a particular area, you have to kind of push it out of the norm. Yes. Um, I think that's pretty much the way it, I think you'll agree, Art. Um, most uh, recreational athletes, they get to a certain level and then you plateau, right? Whether you're golfing or running or biking. And then you see them kind of stuck at that level. And it's like, the only way you're going to get through this is you're going to have to do the stuff you've never wanted to do or never been willing to do. And that it may involve going on a riding with people that are faster yeah. or, uh, actually, um, in my case, uh, recovering, in a way that's actually recovering instead of starting with a recovery ride or run and then giving it my all <laughs> every time. Cause I just couldn't oh, bring myself to I just take it easy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, believe me. It's, it's so the, the challenge I do on those days are, is I spend more time uh, walking and hiking with my kids yeah. and I'll have a heart rate monitor on and say, you're not allowed to myself. 
you're not allowed to get past this many beats per minute or you're violating the agreement. I, I posted so. a recovery ride yesterday to my team and, you know, six or seven people show up and I'm leading the ride. It's a recovery ride. It's just a nice spin, you know, in the morning before work. And um, immediately we're like a bit strung out. And I said, meaning, you know, we're separated, not together as a group. And I said to the guys, uh, I said, guys, um, I call the recovery ride today. We're going to do this in its truest form. You know, no one's going above, you know, zone one and zone two max. So chill out on the hills and just let's just chat and catch up on things. And that's where the friend piece comes in. I, I chat about that in the book a little bit, just like, you know, mixing exercise with catching up with friends. It's a great time to do that on recovery days. I caught up on everybody's mm -hmm. work and family and how they did, how they're doing in the summer. And it was a great way to uh, just reconnect with uh, some good friends I haven't seen for a few weeks. So two thoughts on that. One is if they interpret recovery ride as recovering from a stressful week, they may want to drop you and, and, sure. and put in some zone, put in some zone forward. But on this topic, let's talk about earning and leveraging social capital. All right. Um, so when I talk about social capital, uh, talking about friends, is that your question? A social capital in the book is both uh, family and friends. Yeah. So you, you can leverage it either way you want. Yeah, so I mentioned, um, you know, having some sort of group exercise session with your friends. Uh, it could be a hike or a run or whatever it is that you're into. Um, the other thing I try to do, which is includes my whole family, is, uh, you know, I mentioned this thing. You know, every Friday night we get together. Uh, we call it the huge or the usual thing. I know it's kind of cheesy, but we call mm -hmm. it the huge. And every Friday night we got folks coming over, maybe two or three couples and their families. And we reconnect um, after the work week. And it's a great way to kind of keep the social interactions going when your life is so stressed out and busy. And we sort of made that a staple in our lives uh, for the last 10 or 15 years. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, we're speaking here on a Friday and in about uh, two hours, there'll be a huge at my house. So yeah, well, we found that. It's yeah. funny you say that because when I read it in the book, I wasn't sure how you pronounce it, but, but now it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about win-win solutions for active parents. So there's uh, either a training conflict on the calendar or um, a race. Uh, we talked about the sitter is it suddenly becomes elevatable. Let's talk about some creative solutions for parents who have a, a conflict on racing or training. Yep. So my wife and I were both competitive uh, triathletes and cyclists. Um, we met at a bike race. Um, so we both have a desire to exercise. And one thing you have to understand if, if your significant other doesn't have that desire is that if you want to carve out eight to 10 hours in a particular week to exercise, just know that they want to carve out eight to 10 hours that week to do what they want to do. And just having that level of awareness, I just want to start off, you need to have a level of awareness that whatever it is we're yeah. doing, someone else is going, going to, should or going to want to do something equivalent in terms of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it goes back to what I mentioned a few minutes ago, just about the communication piece. And, you know, let's take any given Saturday in my house. Okay. I'm the early bird. 
Um, if we don't have any sports conflicts with the kids or we're not going to the park or something, I'm the one that goes out from that 6 a.m. to 8.30 a.m., let's say, or 6 to 9. And then when I get back, usually I'm on breakfast. My wife goes out from that 9 to 12 slot. And we just have this sort of thing. So after noontime, you know, we're all together as a family and doing things, you know, for the rest of the day or doing chores or whatever it might be. So that's how we sort of finagle it. It's just open communication starting basically from Sunday night going forward. Mm -hmm. You have a much better uh, way of wording that because the way I look at it is um, nobody cares. Um, when I have a, when I, whether if, if I'm in a race, if I'm training the, and I, if I come in and go, Oh man, it was so hard out there today. It was muggy and I got a bug, a gnat up under my eyelid at mile five and had to go. They're like, we don't care. <laughs> we don't. Or I'll say, man, in that race, I had to go to the well and they, they don't care. So, um, that's one thing I keep in mind is just because it, it gives me fulfillment and it's super hard and challenging. Um, I come back home and go, they don't care about any yeah. of this. Like well, you have, it doesn't, what we have to do as athletes. Or as folks who are getting in our exercise and we come back from our, from our exercise, we have to be prepared to, um, basically be on, you know, like we can't spend yeah. an hour yeah. downloading data, analyzing data, looking at Strava, looking at that way run. We have to yeah. come in quick shower and then, okay, we're on. What does the family need? Bingo. That's a, that's a great way of putting it, man. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Uh, I, I generally try to have. Uh, the first thing I do when I come in is I make my coffee and I try to be out of the shower by the time the espresso machine's warmed up. And then I go straight into making breakfast for everybody. So I just don't give myself a break yeah. at that point. The break is while they're eating breakfast, I sit down and have my coffee. Yeah, so. exactly. So um, let's talk about um, zone two and periodization and the importance of having seasons. You kind of alluded to that in your book. Yes. Um so I sort of structure the year. So there's maybe um, some downtime, uh, maybe a couple months of where there's still exercise going on in my life, but there's nothing really focused. Um, and if I have an event, let's say, you know, I live in the Northern Hemisphere up at Boston. So a lot of our events happen in, you know, May, June, July, August. So I, I do a, a big sort of ramp where the first two or three months um, is a lot of zone to training where there's not much intensity. And, and for those that might not know who are listening, you know, we're talking zones one to five, zone two being just a pace you can sort of talk at and uh, not really overexert yourself. Um, but as you're doing the zone two, it creates this amazing foundation, builds up mitochondria in the cells, mm -hmm. and it's the, it's the base of the pyramid. And as you go up the pyramid, you're adding more intensity as the year goes on as you get closer to your event. Yeah, it is the event. most uh, zone two is at least historically is the most neglected zone by rec recreational athletes. Yes. They they want to get out there, get their heart rate up. They want to do orange theory and get their heart rate up super high, break a big sweat. And if you're only working out two days a week like that, it's probably fine. But, you know, yeah, a lot of, you know, weekend warriors. And I, I suppose I am one now where. You know, you have that one big ride you want to do on Saturday. Um, you know, you want to do it hard. So you're in zone three, zone four, zone five. And and I think it's fine, at, you know, 
if maybe there isn't anything you really want to peak for and you just want to be sort of have a good high level baseline fitness, you'll be fine. If you actually want to be the best athlete you can be at a future date, then you have to be way more disciplined and uh, allow yourself to, to, to get, you know, just the proper amount of training in that zone too. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you say that because, uh, when I was thinking of the, the Daniel Lucas version of, uh, an athlete, I was going to myself cause I, I looking at your definition, I was like, well, what do I consider an athlete? And I was like, quantitatively, what would, I, what would I consider in, in, uh, I thought to myself, uh, there needs to be some type of seasonality in your training or that you always have some type of base fitness uh, so that when I think of an athlete, I think someone who actually has a season where they're active yeah. um, doesn't mean they're not active all year, but they have like a, a peak part of their year that they go, this is where my races uh, yeah. ex exist and whatnot. I have a friend so, that who basically he lives his life. He, he's, um, he's a, he used to be a competitive runner, but he says, I never like to be more than eight weeks away yeah. from my peak. Yeah. And I just find I, I'm, I'm probably, yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Yeah. So you're always maintaining like a pretty good baseline of fitness. And then if there is an event, okay, I'm going to sharpen the pencil and start doing some intervals and get ready for that. I just, I actually really like that because it sort of keeps you always engaged and training a bit. Yeah, that's it. And I've never put a time cap on it of eight weeks, but that's probably pretty close to what I do. Uh, I'm trying to get better about letting go in, uh, for example, and not running for an entire month and doing because I do so many other things anyway. Uh, but I've been taking up the bike because of the heat in this. And I think I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to stop running during the summer and just focus nice. on the bike. Uh, Your knees because, will appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, this is my last question for you. Um, you talk about when people see someone who's kind of in their zone at work and they're effective and they're a thinker that oftentimes if you look at their schedule, they're putting in the work before they actually go to the office. So can you, when you say a little the bit work about that? before the office? Do you mean the exercise? It, I'm, I'm, I intentionally left that vague because uh, you could argue it's meditation, you could argue yeah. it's the exercise, but they take time for themselves prior to going into the office. Yes. Um, so I'm a big believer and I can see it. You know, I run a company of about 50 employees and I can see um, folks that carve out time for. Uh, I'm, I'm going to call it exercise because I, I just know what they do. Mm -hmm. They're more productive. They're more sort of even keel. Um, they're more engaged. And I really firmly believe that there's a strong connection. There's a book I referenced in my book called Spark, which talks all about the, 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 the um, you know, the biochemical reactions that happen in our brains um, that affect this productivity. And as a result, you know, a couple of years ago, I started a wellness program at my company where we have monthly wellness events. Um, it's voluntary. No one's forced to do anything, but we have some fun events like a walking challenge where anybody can just use their phone and record their steps. And we have sort of a, uh, we sort of made it into a fun little, you know, program. We, we, we tried juicing, a juicing cleanse. 
Um, we've tried our meditation. We have meditations a couple times a month. Um, so we, I try to integrate it because I know there's value in the workplace and I, I really encourage other business owners to, um, you know, allow for that time, uh, because they'll reap the benefits of productivity. That's a, and, and it's amazing that you do that are, uh, you hear about it in other industries, but not necessarily in yours, I would say. Uh, for example, um, I, I told the children the other day, uh, mine are teenagers, so I, they, they get some of the business concepts too, but tweenagers, I guess you call them. But, um, uh, the, the CEO of Patagonia has that rule that at any point, if you if the waves are up, you can stop what you're doing to go surfing. And it's an analogy to, cool. that you can stop what you're doing to go running, but people respect, but that's an outdoor company. You kind of expect that. Yeah. And Strava has a, a lot of, has a lot of things like this as well for its employees, but it's nice to see people take that and put in their business. When I was a corporate employee, I guess I kind of am at a small company now, but when I was a corporate employee for 20 years, the last five years I was going gonzo with the amount of sitting in meetings that, we were doing and I would do things that really ruffled feathers, which was I stopped sitting during the entire meeting, which people were just like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? Uh, but the other thing I did, uh, or at least in t tried to do was convince my, one of my supervisors who had a one hour one-on-one -on -one meeting every week. I was like, could we have a walk and talk instead to where we're like walking, walking the loop outside to do this? And he was like, absolutely not. No. Um, <laughs> and things like that, it just, it, it frustrated me because I was thinking you're actually losing out on productivity here because sitting, all, I mean, we sit all day long in these meetings. We sit all day long at our desk I know. And, and you just, you, it's your creativity is much better in that zone one, yep. which is brisk walking. You get your mind thinking, you start thinking about things. It's not very fun in zone five, but in zone one, your creativity is fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll be sitting in a, in a you know, conference room, having a meeting with my staff and I wear my Apple watch and, you know, every, I don't know what the frequency is, but it appears to be like every 20 or 30 minutes, I get a note that says stand up. So I will frequently stand up in the middle of these meetings and folks will wonder why and said, hey, listen, Apple's telling me to stand up and it actually, it feels so much better now, folks. They sort of do that with me. They'll stand up for a little bit, sit down. Um, but I think that's important too. I, you know, um, I don't want to put myself in, in the, uh, the super effective executive, uh, group. I'm, I, I am an executive, but, um, I have found that my, first of all, to sort of solidify your approach, uh, if I put an hour of training in prior to work, uh, I'm way more effective. Uh, that's, that's one. Number two is, and I don't tell people to do this, but I don't eat anything until about 10, 30, 11, probably 11 o'clock in the day. Uh, and it's just because I have so much clarity when I'm fasted, yep. I've been exercised. And number three is I don't sit down till after, uh, I usually don't sit down at all until after, uh, 10 30. So oh, even when I go to, when, even when I go to my desk, like, like right now I'm standing, when I go to my desk at my office, I'll, it will never even occur to me to put the desk down till after breakfast or something. Like I call it breakfast, it's probably lunch. Yeah. But those three things I have found, I think much more clearly. Now, if I sleep in until I have to get ready for work, 
and I go in and sit down, I can already tell you my creativity and effectiveness oh, yeah. is is down by 35% yep. right off the top. See, there you go. Uh, That's a good endorsement for, uh, you know, getting in the work early if you can. Hey, man, I'm, I'm trying, the everyday athlete, keeping it tight and all those things. Can you tell us where people can find you and learn more about you? Yes, thank you. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn at uh, Art Tripotsis or... Uh, my website, www.arttropotsis.com, spelled A-R-T-E-R-A-P-O-T-S-I-S.com. And is that is that quiz up there as well, the Keep yeah. It Tight quiz? We have the Keep It Tight quiz online where you can test your, find out your balance score. Um, I think there's 10 questions. There's uh, probably double the amount of questions in the book if you want to get a little more advanced on it. But it's just sort of a fun quiz. It's not scientific. Um, mm -hmm. It'll sort of tell you where on the ballot scale. And I have folks uh, texting me and email me all the time. Um, well, hey, this, is this thing broken? My, my balance is, you know, pretty low. And, and usually there's a root cause as to why. So, yeah, it's a good conversation starter. Yeah. Well, Art, I'm certainly grateful that you've uh, shared insights about your book and, and shared time with the uh, the audience here. Thank you so much for being on here. Thank you, Dan. This is fun.